Good morning, Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Conan in studio. We'll have a report from Whitney Pittman and Tyler Donaldson, too. A cold front is dropping temperatures and bringing snow flurries to extreme northeast North Dakota and a small uh, portion of northwest Minnesota at this hour. A warm-up is expected this weekend, but with gusty winds, there is uh, some widespread high temperatures forecast for Monday But 60 degrees plus, certainly not out of the question. The National Weather Service says records could be broken Monday. Colder weather will be returning on Tuesday. The Environmental Protection Agency has approved a petition from eight Midwestern states allowing the sale of E15 during summer months. Renewable Fuels Association President and CEO Jeff Cooper said this announcement was a good news, bad news situation. Cooper pleased with the, with the waivers, but not happy that the implementation has been delayed until 2025. So that leaves us in a lurch for 2024. Summertime is just around the corner. What's the marketplace going to do with E15 uh, come May 1st and, and June 1st? The ethanol industry will continue to seek an emergency waiver for the 2024 driving season. The eight Midwestern states granted the waiver include Minnesota and South Dakota. More than 130 members of the U.S. House and Senate are asking the Biden administration to withdraw its proposed rule that would require 67% of new lightweight vehicles and 46% of medium-duty vehicles to be electric by 2032. The bipartisan group of lawmakers said the proposal restricts consumer choice and is expensive. The latest agribusiness review from Rabobank cites the ongoing conflict on the Red Sea as causing global shipping capacity to tighten. Most shippers are avoiding that region and adding emergency risk surcharges. The report said this will be another year of volatility for anyone managing logistics. Uncertainties over the U.S. election and potential labor disruptions on both coasts are expected. In response to a directive from the EPA, Minnesota is addressing nitrate levels in private wells in the southeastern corner of the state. During testimony before the House Agriculture Committee, there was a focus on the karst geology in southeastern Minnesota. Margaret Wagner manages non-point fertilizer section for the Minnesota Department of Agriculture and said other parts of the state are also vulnerable to groundwater contamination. So some of the concerns where you see in the central area of that map, that's called the Central Sands region, and because of that coarse textured or sandy soil, um, there are concerns or areas where there's elevated nitrates. In southwest Minnesota, there's often shallow depth to bedrock, so there's just not a a lot of vertical distance for something to move from that surface into a groundwater aquifer. So we see some vulnerability in southwest because of that. So the groundwater protection rule does respond statewide in any areas where that where there's elevated levels of nitrate within a drinking water supply management area for that community water supply. The Ag Committee will continue to take input on nitrates in the soil at its hearing on February 29th. Environmental groups, farm organizations, and ag retailers are all scheduled to testify. The South Dakota Senate Agriculture and Natural Resources Committee gave a do-pass recommendation for legislation placing restrictions on foreign ownership of agricultural land. Agriculture Secretary Hunter Roberts testified in favor of the bill. South Dakota has seen nearly a 320% increase in foreign-held agriculture land holdings from 2010 to 2022. 
Every county in the state has recorded instances of foreign investor land holdings. Today, we are currently, as of December 31st, 2022, 411,102 acres are held by foreign, foreign interest in our ag land. It's a trend that we're seeing that we're not comfortable with. There was no testimony offered in opposition to that bill. Another ugly day in the markets brought crop insurance pricing down even further. With just five days left in the February spring pricing period, corn is averaging 468 per bushel. That's down 21% year over year. Soybeans are down 16% at 1162 per bushel. And for spring wheat, the average price is at 689 per bushel. That's down 22% year over year. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Over 90% of North Dakota soybeans are exported out of state and about two-thirds are shipped to other countries. Three new soybean crush plants in the state are expected to provide more opportunities for the local market. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Tyler Donaldson has more. I'm speaking with NDSU Extension bioenergy economist David Ripplinger. David, what sort of impact do you think these new soybean crush facilities will have on North Dakota soybean production? It's an exciting time for North Dakota agriculture. Agriculture here in the upper Midwest as we see the construction of these new soybean crush plants, which are providing this, this local opportunity for value-added agriculture. You know, in the past, we've been, until recently, we've been exporting whole beans to, to export markets primarily in Asia. Now with the crush plants, we have the meal locally and the oil locally, which provides uh, new opportunities uh, and especially I work on the biofuel side having this new feedstock to produce either biodiesel or renewable diesel. What sort of impact do you expect this will have on local supply and trade flow going forward? Nothing specific, but obviously this is a, is an opportunity or, or, or good news for soybean producers as they will have a local buyer. And in this case, uh, a few relatively large buyers, those who, who are looking to, to source uh, soybeans locally. Typically, just rule of thumb, you know, we, we, we expect that this will have a significant impact on basis. Uh, the, the, the price that local farmers receive as well as having that, that local market for delivery, including delivery of those soybeans to the, the local processor. What's the likelihood or the pot potential impact of overproduction? If we actually look back, you know, one of the big drivers, we saw this tremendous expansion in, in bean acres, especially beginning with renewable fuel standard, or that's one of the bigger dates when we saw this increase in soybean acres. According to some measures, almost 30% of the new acres of soybeans about a decade ago were coming from North Dakota. So we've, we've had this soybean production growth. You know, we've had that. It isn't necessarily going to go anywhere. It's proved to be a fantastic crop in North Dakota. And as we go west, you know, it, it's worked out very well for many farmers into their rotation. And again, that's one reason why it's the number one crop by acreage in the state. That was NDSU Extension bioenergy economist David Ripplinger. For the Red River Farm Network, I'm Tyler Donaldson. Inflation is having an impact on farm succession plans. Ag Country Farm Credit Services Vice President of Succession and Retirement Planning, Russ Tweeten, was on the program at the International Crop Expo and said these plans may need to be updated. So we should get in and talk about that and at least expose them to it uh, so they have an idea in their head that uh, maybe I should start thinking about making some changes. Tweeten said most of the farms he's working with have put together a will or a trust five to ten years ago and had language where a successor had to buy out his non-farming siblings and those programs are no longer affordable. 
the International Crop Expo, hosting a variety of educational sessions focusing on the potato industry. Red River Farm Network Farm Broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. NDSU potato breeder Dr. Susie Thompson says in recent decades there have been several advances in the industry that have helped prevent bruising starting in the field. As a potato community, we are losing over $300 million to bruises. That doesn't just mean losses at our own storages or in our field or shortly after our field, but it really goes through the whole system where we might be having shrink in our storage due to loss of hydration and then the, the tubers become bruised or flattened and aren't marketable. But even for our end users, because they may have to hire additional labor or buy expensive new technologies, you know, with optical sorters, for example, that can pick out those bruised tubers. It's important to consider storage and other handling practices as well. People forget that potatoes are living organisms um, all through the storage season. We have to worry about them every day because they are living, respiring organisms. One of our old extension agents, Dwayne Preston, used to say that potatoes storages were not hospitals, they were hotels. And you can't improve the quality once you put them into storage. So back in the early 90s and late 80s, it started with the processing companies and they started um, giving, there was a, a bruise-free clause and they started giving an incentive to their producers to attain a certain level of bruise-free potatoes and it worked. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. Overall inflation has moderated, but food prices are still on the rise. According to a report from the Labor Department, prices at restaurants up more than 5% last month. The grocery cart price up 1.2%. This is the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Kellier, Minnesota FFA student Riley Connell helped their school celebrate National FFA Week by teaching a class in the elementary. Connell said it was surprising how much knowledge those students had about agriculture. I did a class for the fourth grade. It was like an introduction thing to see what they know about agriculture, what they associate it with, that kind of thing. They're a pretty smart bunch. They knew the basic things um, associated with mostly farming stuff, some of the um, branching. They knew a few of the terms I brought up. Connell is a sophomore at Kellier High School, but this was her first year participating in FFA. She says her experience is pushing her toward a career in the ag industry. Definitely, I would prefer to go into an agriculture-related career. Um, really made me appreciate you know, the hands-on stuff and the hands-off stuff, like the science stuff, too. Well, I've learned more about how to care for cows better and some stuff about crops and more about the science of cows. I didn't grow up on a farm or anything. Um, my grandma had horses when I was a kid, and that was pretty much it. But um, I've worked cows a few times. Our National FFA Ag Week uh, reports brought to you by Proceed and Nutrien. The commodity market seemed to be stuck in a, a very similar pattern. The money farm owner, Allison Thompson, says his trade needs a catalyst to break out of that pattern, and she thinks it may be a couple weeks before any shift occurs. 
in the near term, it doesn't seem to be that way, especially in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we do have options expiring, which isn't going to give the market a whole lot of incentive to move higher. Again, they like to see the most uh, positions expire worthless um, in that case. And uh, trading right about where they are right now is probably going to do that. Um, we also have first notice of those March contracts next week. So there's going to be a couple of things still pressuring the market here over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully when we get into March, we're trading some different headlines and we can move forward. Checking markets, Minneapolis wheat one and three quarter cents higher at 6.53. Chicago wheat for March, a nickel gain. And hard red winter wheat for March, that's up by two cents. The corn for March, a two cent gain at 4.08. And soybeans March, 11.49. That's a gain of one and a quarter cents. Checking in on the farm calendar, NDSU Extension and the NDSU Department of Plant Pathology has its Crop Pest Identification and Management School coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. That'll be held in the Fargo Dome. Commodity Classic is next week. Uh, Activities begin on Wednesday and uh, continuing through Saturday. Houston is the site for Commodity Classic. The annual meeting for the National Corn Growers Association, American Soybean Association, the National Association of Wheat Growers, and the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Of course, the Red River Farm Network will be broadcasting from Commodity Classic. Have a great day. Stay warm. This is the Red River Farm Network.